podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Discover the new 3-Step Pro Partial Range, specifically designed to clean your partials and remaining teeth in three simple steps. Clean your partial, strengthen your natural teeth, protect your whole mouth. Stand up to further tooth loss with Polident Pro Partial, available at Walmart. Hey, imagine if all your frustrations about advertising your business could be solved right now. You should know that podcast listeners are more engaged in higher converting than any other advertising medium. So try AdHub today and reap the rewards of Spreaker's self-advertising platform. It makes it as effortless as ever to be heard by thousands, regardless of the listening app they use. Visit Spreaker.com forward slash AdHub. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com forward slash AdHub and start using your advertising dollars in an impactful way. Hello and welcome to the Cock Table podcast, where tonight we are previewing the Brighton versus Liverpool game this coming Wednesday evening. Joining me once again is Jay Riley. You can get Jay on Twitter at the Cop HQ and regular with us on the Cop Table. So, how you doing, Jay? Yeah, not too bad. You know, uh, enjoyed the game on Sunday, albeit it wasn't a great performance, but. You know, obviously we got the victory and, you know, the way I looked at it was it was more of a chance to get out and sort of like celebrate being champions with, with the lads really because we haven't really had much opportunity the last couple of months, have we, in lockdown and now that the pubs are open, it was a perfect opportunity on Sunday to, to have an all day really and, you know, it, it was quite good really toasting the champions and thankfully we still got the three points. Yeah, like you say, pubs are back open, people are uh, starting to get back out there again, aren't they? And fingers crossed, not too far down the line that um, the fans will be allowed back into the stadiums and, and things like that. But yeah, good to get the ball back rolling with uh, people going out to enjoy a pint and what have you to watch the football. So moving on to uh, our, our Villa game that we that we watched on Sunday, Jay. Um, bit of a poor game, I thought, especially for the first 60, 70 minutes until the last of Henderson and Firmino when Aldum came on and sort of called for the cavalry, didn't he? Because there wasn't too much happening in the game. And then all of a sudden, Liverpool sort of sprung to life, didn't he? And and we come away with a 2-0 victory. Great ball from, from Naby Keita, provided uh, Mane's goal and and a first Premier League goal for Curtis Jones. So just give us your, your thoughts on the game uh, against Villa, please, Jay. Well, going into the game, I was expecting a reaction because, you know, the hiding that we got against Man City at the Etihad was, you know, I know the cold light today, it doesn't really particularly matter because Liverpool are champions now and regardless of City beating us, you wouldn't swap that result, would you, for, for being league champions? But I just thought, you know, maybe there'd be a little bit more of a reaction. You know, it's never nice losing any games of football regardless of the being meaningless or not. Jürgen Klopp wasn't too happy in his after-match comments, was he, after Manchester City? And, you know, it was one of them games, really, where I thought Liverpool started well against City and could have arguably have scored two or three ourselves. And then all of a sudden, they get one, they get two, they get three. And, you know, it was just embarrassing, really. So you were hoping for a reaction against Aston Villa. And, you know, Klopp made a few changes, didn't he? He, he brought Origi into the side inst- instead of um, Roberto Firmino. And then he mixed the midfield up a little bit with Henderson and Wijnaldum missing out for Keita and Oxlade-Chamberlain. And we were just very disjointed, weren't we, really? And this is the problem we've got now. You know, the league's won. It's it's sewn up. So, 
you know, yet of course we're going for for a record of points. We want to get over a hundred points, don't we? And break Man City's record. We want to get the most victories in a Premier League season. But it's it's very difficult, isn't it? Because you know, to to have the mentality, the intensity levels of what you have when you're going for something and you're striving for the trophy, you're striving for the title as Liverpool were. Now that it's won. It, it's not that straightforward. It's not that simple. You know, going into 50-50 challenges, do you really want to get yourself injured or maybe a, a three-month long-term injury where you're going to miss the start of the new season? There's a lot of factors that you'd have to take on board. And, you know, it's the tempo of how you play as well. It, it's not necessarily the same. You haven't got the same edge to your play. It's only natural, really. It's difficult to really criticise them too much because... You know, they've, they've won this league at an absolute canter. So they deserve a little bit of a relax now, if, if, if you want. And, you know, yeah, let the hair down, celebrate winning the league as they did. And, yeah, I know the professionals and I know no one really likes losing, but it, it's really difficult to assess these last couple of games now because, as I say, for an hour or 70 minutes against Aston Villa, it was, it was a really poor game, poor performance, very disjointed. I think we'd had one shot on target before we opened the score and threw Mane. Um, it's tough because you're coming up against teams who are fighting for their lives. You know, you look at Aston Villa and they're trying to stay in the Premier League, so there was a lot riding on that game for them. Moving forward to this game against Brighton on Wednesday night, you know they're, they're fighting for their lives still, and we've got Chelsea coming up as well, the last home game, and they're fighting for top four. You know, you've got um, the other team we've got to play is Arsenal. They were trying to get into the Europa League. So, you know, there's a lot riding on it for these teams that we've still got to play. And, you know, as I say, against Aston Villa, it it was poor and it was looking like it was going to be a nil-nil draw, to be honest. It was looking goalless all over it. And it was a fantastic ball by Naby Keita. You know, brilliant, really. When you look at it again on the replays, it it was through the eye of a needle pass, really. And Mane, you know, dispatched it to make us go one 0 up, and we probably didn't deserve to be in front. To tell you the truth, I mean, Aston Villa defended really well, and you know, the on the counter attack they had a few little openings. But as I say, it was it was a very poor game really. And then once you get one, though, you know, the the opposition have to sort of like open up a little bit, and it become a little bit damage limitation for them. I thought and. He made a few more changes, didn't he? And it was great that Curtis Jones came off the bench. He just signed a new contract and scored a goal, his first Premier League goal for. I was a little bit lucky, really. Took the deflection, didn't it? Off to um, Tyrone Mings. I think if it, if it wouldn't have took the deflection, probably would have went straight to Pepe Reina, to tell you the truth. But you know that's taken nothing away from the young Scouse kids. You know it was great for him to get on the score sheet and get his first Premier League goal on top of the goals he scored in the FA Cup. Obviously a very memorable one in a Merseyside derby against Everton. He also scored away from home against Shrewsbury as well. So this kid's got a bright future. There's no doubt about that. I remember back to the the academy days where Gerard was in control a few years back and he had high hope for Curtis Jones. He loved him. He, he he's been speaking highly of him, saying. He thinks he can make it at Liverpool and here we are a few years later and he scored some important goals, hasn't he? And, you know, fair play to the lad. He's just signed a long-term deal at the club and I think Jürgen Klopp does does have high hopes for him and, and there's certainly a big future there. And again, it was just good to get the, the results on the board, really, to get the three points and 
Liverpool go marching on and all all aims now really are to get these 100 points. Well, 101 points at least, isn't it? So we can take over Manchester City's records. But like I say, it's, it's going to be tough because some of the teams that we're coming up against now, between now and the end of the season, they've got things to play for, whereas Liverpool technically haven't. Yeah, most definitely. Cheers, Jay. OK, then. And uh, not long after the game had finished, Jay, before the game, should I say, there was a lot of speculation as to um, a potential move that Liverpool might be making for Thiago um, from Bayern Munich. Klopp was asked about it in his in his post-match um, press conference, wasn't he, by, by a few of the journalists, and he, he sort of didn't rule it out and said he was a very good player, but didn't rule anything in either, which obviously he's not going to do, but... There's been lots of speculation, hasn't there? Maybe uh, more or less coming from the foreign journalists down in South America and and places like that, and not much from the from the British side of things, if you like, the likes of Paul Joyce, Melissa Reddy, and James Pearce, all sort of shying away from the fact. So, just give us your thoughts on the on a potential move for for Thiago from from Munich, please, Jay. I think he's a fantastic player. Um... You know, he, he probably would fit right in at Liverpool, really. And some might argue that we're missing a player like him in that mould of a creative midfield player, if you like. Because when you look at Liverpool's midfield, it's sort of very workman-like, isn't it? Where Henderson, Wijnaldum and Fabinho and people are crying out for the likes of Cater and Oxlade-Chamberlain to play week in, week out. And, you know, Klopp doesn't tend to really use them that much. Not regularly, anyway. They get the game time, but... They're not like the the players that he turns to when he he's choosing his strongest eleven, are they? So, you know, I think someone like Thiago would bring a lot to the the play for Liverpool. Really, he, he certainly would. He, he's a very good player. I've always liked him. I was very surprised when he ended up leaving Barcelona at a young age to go to Bayern Munich. Um, but I just think it it's it it's fantasy world, really, where people think we're going to sign him. To tell you the truth, I mean, you can't get much. When it comes to journalists, the local journalists, and and we speak to, you know, obviously James Pearce, Paul Joyce, who we've had on the podcast quite a few times recently, Melissa Reddy's been very good the last 12 to 18 months with her speculation on stuff. She said, didn't she, last summer Liverpool were going to have a quiet window. That's exactly what happened. And, you know, other than that, you're probably talking Chris Bascom and they're probably about the four best, the most reliable that you can sort of come to, to hang your hat on really when it comes to Liverpool speculation and transfers and, and sorry Jay just to stop you there um, just as you got to where it said James Pearce the, the, the connection broke down so I don't know if you just want to start back from, from there where you sp- spoke to the local journalists um, where do you want me to, where do you want me to, what do you want me to do then because do you want me to yeah. just start, do you want, just ask me the question all over again then Um no, you can just start again from just say uh, obviously we speak speak to the local journalists and, and go from there if you want. Okay. All right. I mean, obviously we speak to the local journalists, don't we? James Pierce and Paul Joyce, who we've had on the podcast quite a lot recently, and Melissa Reddy's one of the best around now as well. Last eighteen months or so, she's been spot on, hasn't she? With with her information, she said last summer that we were going to have a quiet summer in a transfer window, and that's exactly what happened. And, you know, apart from that, you're probably talking Chris Bascom, maybe the other one. So, you know, there's four journalists who are, who are basically, they've got their ears to the ground, really, when it comes to Liverpool information and transfer stuff. And 
you know, pretty much all of them have ruled it out and said it's highly unlikely. And that is the case, really. Let's get into the real world. I mean, people need to learn their lessons, I think, from the Timo Werner saga. If you listen to, you know, the majority of Twitter and some of the foreign journalists and the Italian mob, as I like to call them, the likes of Tancredi and Damasio and Romano, you know, if you look back over the years, the amount of things that they've got wrong on Liverpool is, is, is quite embarrassing, really. But Liverpool have this fan base that's quite gullible, really, and they fall for things far too often. And they get carried away and they get like sort of fantasised about players and start putting shirts on these players that don't even play for our club. It's happened so much over the years and recently with, as I say, the Tim O'Werner saga. And then you, you get all these ITK accounts coming on board and saying, oh, yeah, we are interested in them and I can see this happening. And the truth is they don't know nothing and that's the fact of the matter that it isn't. And the Tim Oweger saga was absolutely proof of that because there was the amount of people that said that that was a done deal. And I always had my reservations. I always had my doubts. I said this to you, didn't I? That I, I wasn't wasn't convinced about him. I wasn't sure we would go for him. And the way things are in this moment in time with the pandemic, COVID nineteen has affected Liverpool financially quite bad. And you know you just couldn't envision Liverpool spending fifty million pounds on a player. And you know I think you look at Thiago, and yeah, he, he's a bit cheaper than Werner. He, he's thirty million. But he's 29 years of age. Liverpool just don't tend to do business for players who are that age, you know, approaching 30. It's just not the way Liverpool work as, as a football club. The way FSG are, the money ball approach, it's just not the Liverpool way, sadly. But then you get all the, the ITK accounts and all the parody accounts and they're all coming out saying, oh, this is a done deal and, you, you know... Yeah, we are interested in them and this, that and the other. And it's just, it's absolute nonsense. And you'd only have to look back to the Timo Werner deal for proof of the amount of, you know, shite basically that gets gets spouted on, on social media and on Twitter and people jumping on the bandwagon and looking for clicks and retweets and likes and to be popular. And it's quite embarrassing, really. Do you know what I mean? It really is embarrassing because, you know, it doesn't take Einstein to work out that this deal is highly unlikely because not only are the, the, the local journalists saying it's highly unlikely, you only have to work out the fact that we've just gone through a pandemic. The football club's lost a hell of a lot of money because of it. And I take on board that we've become champions now and we've sold some merchandise on the back of it. But don't forget this the, the absolute disaster of this pandemic where COVID-19 has affected clubs financially. They've got to pay money back, don't forget, some of the TV money. They've also got to factor in no fans in football stadiums for a couple of games this season, potential for next season as well. So there's a lot of factors you'd have to take on board. Liverpool just got a brand new training complex as well, which costs £50 million. Liverpool are also just given a new contract to Harvey Elliott, new contract to Curtis Jones. There's also two new contracts on the table for Alison Becker and for Virgil van Dijk, which will see them rise to over 50 grand a week each. So, you know, you've got to, you've got to factor in a lot of things and, you know, Liverpool are not run like most other clubs, the way they've got a rich owner like Roman Abramovich at Chelsea, the way Manchester United generates silly amounts of money. 
even you know you look at Manchester City with their rich owner Sheikh Mansour. Liverpool are run by like a business by FSG. It's the way they've always been. They said it from the very start, pretty much that Liverpool their idea is for Liverpool to be self sufficiently run. So when we take a little bit of a hit financially because of the pandemic the last couple of months, it's only natural to 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 say that it's going to affect our transfer business. It's just the way it is, unfortunately, and. You know, I don't like it as much as anyone else doesn't like it, but you've got to look at the bigger picture. That's just the way it is. It's the way we run. We haven't made a big sale for such a long time now. Philip Coutinho was the last one. And on the back of that, we ended up signing Virgil van Dijk and Alisson Becker. Liverpool just don't make signings like that. It's just the way Liverpool are. It has been sell to buy in all the time that FSG have been here. And at this moment in time, yes, we've been successful. But as I say, new training complex brand new contracts for star players and you've also got to consider you know don't forget by winning the league and by winning the European Cup last year the players triggered massive bonuses as well for that so there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of factors to the reason why Liverpool are unlikely to do much business if any business this summer and fans won't like it but they didn't like it last summer and when you think about it last summer you know, everyone was saying we need to improve and get signed two or three players because we're not going to catch Man City. So look what happened 12 months later. Just absolutely blitzed the league. So, you know, let's trust him the way the club's working and the way the methods that, you know, Klopp and his backroom staff and Michael Edwards, the way they deal with things, you know, they've earned our trust no matter what. And to be perfectly honest, so of FSG, you know, they're not perfect owners, but they're very, very sensible and astute owners. And the businessmen at the end of the day, they're not Liverpool fans. You know, they're into the American sports. You know, football is not really their main sport at all, is it really? They've just seen a business opportunity, got, got us for the song £300 million because of the trouble that we were in. And now the club's worth silly amounts of money, but it doesn't always necessarily mean you've got the funds available to splash the cash and spend 50, 60, 70 million pounds. Liverpool are always savvy with their money and to expect Liverpool to sign a 29-year-old and I've heard the talk that he's not on big wages, but he will be on big wages. Let's be honest; he's he's, he's not going to be on any. He's not going to be on less than a hundred grand a week, is he? So if he's going to get a new move somewhere at the age of twenty nine, he's going to be wanting close to two hundred grand a week. So Liverpool are not going to pay a twenty nine year old two hundred grand a week or close to two hundred grand a week. Are It's just it's simply not going to happen. Um, so as I say. I'd be very, very surprised if Liverpool sign him. I think it's it's mystifying, really, the way you're seeing people saying that, oh, it's got legs, this, or it's definitely happening, and everything's agreed now, and all this. It's just fantasy world, it really is. I mean, it's meant to have originated from a South American journalist, isn't it, or a South American uh, media outlet or something that have been pretty spot on with things in the past but just because they've got one or two things right maybe doesn't mean to say they're going to get absolutely every transfer spot on does it you know I just think people have got to look at the bigger picture and, and, and as I said before it doesn't take Einstein to work out that it's highly unlikely 29 year old wanting big wages you know, I, I just I'm a bit shocked to be honest that people have fallen for it and think it's got legs because I certainly don't. And I, for one, would be very surprised and shocked if it happens. I'd be happy because I think he's a very good player, but I think people need to get in the real world. And you know, I, I think it's it's highly unlikely that Liverpool will be signing Thiago this summer. Yeah, and um, very similar to what you you're saying there, Jay. There's there's been a, a, a- attention Social Security and SSI recipients. 
If you did not receive an economic impact payment for your eligible spouse or dependents, you may need to file a 2020 tax return with the IRS and claim the recovery rebate credit. Go to ssa.gov EIP to see if you need to file a tax return and if eligible for other refundable tax credits, like the child tax credit. That's ssa.gov EIP. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. An article released by the the Liverpool Echo by Paul Gorst, I think it is, basically saying that um, that it, it is a bit of a, a a fans fantasy this transfer, and as far as he's concerned, the Thiago's never been coveted by the by the transfer team, and obviously they think he's a very good player, but he's not one that that Liverpool have um, have pursued to a to any sort of degree. In the past 12, 18 months or whatever. So yeah, like you say, it's it seems that it's it's one of them transfers that you can that you can sort of forget about basically. But yeah, when you mention about the FSG situation and the, the way that they run the club, I I've always um, thought they've been spot on. Like you say, the they, they bought us for a for a cheap price and fair play to them, and, and they've built us up into a to over I think it's worth over two billion pounds, something like that now. But they have put a lot of hard work in into the club to get to that position, wheeling and dealing in the transfer market, bringing in people like Michael Edwards, Jürgen Klopp. So, yeah, they've made some some fat, fantastic decisions. Also brought um, the, the stadium up to standard again, didn't they, with the, the new uh, main stand. And there's also plans in place for the Anfield Road. So I, I don't think you can point too many fingers at, at FSG myself. I know there's a lot of Liverpool fans out there who, who are quick to point the finger and, and blame them for, for the lack of transfer activity and that. But it, it's not just about them, it's about the whole club, isn't it? And and how the club's run. Um, so, yeah, moving on to the the Brighton game tomorrow night, Jay. Uh, Henderson, Firmino. When Alden was all left on on the bench, wasn't he for the for the game against Aston Villa? So just um, going for your lineup. How do you see Jurgen Klopp um, choosing this one? Please, Jay. I can see a few changes, and I can see well, I, I can see at least two of them that you've just mentioned there returning to the starting lineup. I think the captain will return, Jordan Henderson. I think Bobby Firmino will also start up front in place of Divacarigu. was very poor, wasn't he, against Aston Villa, I thought. Um, I'm not sure whether Juan Alden will, though, because I think Naby Keita has shown, since we've returned from this lockdown, that, to be perfectly honest, he deserves a little run in the team. And, you know, he done quite well against Everton, I thought, in the derby in the first game. I know it was a, it was a poor performance all round by the team against Villa, but he did, you know, that crucial ball in through the Ivan Needle pass for, for Sadio Mane for the opening goal. So I personally would give him a start. So I, my midfield three would be Fabinho, Henderson and, and Naby Keita against Brighton, to be honest with you, on Wednesday evening. And, you know, obviously the, the normal front three, shall we say, the return of Firmino instead of Divacarigi. And then defensively, I mean, I, I personally would just go with the normal back four. I know there's been a few shouts for maybe Nico Williams to start at right back. But for me, you know, I, I wouldn't be starting him in a game away from home. I, I'd just be, I'd just keep Trent there, to be perfectly honest with you, at right back. Um, there's no reason to mess with the defence in my eyes. So that certainly would be my team for the game against Brighton on Wednesday evening. OK, cheers, Jay. Like you say, with with, with champions now, aren't they, in the, 
That's although they're not meaningless games that we still want to try and get as many points as possible on the board. But yet there's also a, a chance for a few of these younger boys to come into the to the side. And, and experience Premier League football and, and get them used to playing at the, the high intensity that, that Liverpool play at. Yeah, so it'll be interesting uh, once again to see uh, who Jurgen Klopp chooses to go with on uh, on Wednesday evening. So yeah, just a quick one before we go, Jay. We always do our score predictions and our reasons for them. So do you want to go first with the, with your thoughts on that, please? Yeah, it's, it's very difficult, isn't it, to really sort of like do a prediction because... I mean, I've been so off with with all of my predictions so far since this lockdown return. I mean, against Everton, I didn't think Everton were prepared at all for the, for the the return of football. So I predicted us to beat them three 0 and I was well wrong. It was ended up nil nil. The only thing I got right was the Liverpool clean sheet. And then against Crystal Palace, I was a little bit cautious because I thought, you know, they're a little bit of a bogey team. So it was the last team to win at Anfield in the Premier League. Liverpool looked very poor against Everton, so I thought, you know what, I, I think we could struggle here and just end up stuttering to the title. And I was so wrong, it was unbelievable because we absolutely destroyed Crystal Palace. One four nil could have been six or seven. And then even the Man City game in my heart of hearts, I did think maybe this, the celebrations would have took a little bit out of them. So I didn't see us beating City, and, I, and deep down I thought we potentially probably would have lost the game. To be fair, but I didn't really want to be that negative on the podcast and say say we'd lose the game. So I tried to be quite upbeat, and I went for a two-two draw, but we got absolutely destroyed four nil. Now we ended up we didn't really have time to do the Aston Villa one, did we? But I was quite vocal on Twitter about it, saying I think Liverpool would give them a hide, and I was saying things like rest in peace Aston Villa and stuff, and I predicted like a wild prediction of 6-0, and again, massively off the mark, because although we won the game, it was never ever going to be 6-0, was it? Because it took until, what, 70 minutes before we broke them down, No, we won 2-0, but it was nowhere near my 6-0 prediction, so as I say, it's very, very difficult to, to give a prediction for this game, and you know what I would like to see, though. I mean, Alison Becker's got thirteen clean sheets now. She's going for another Golden Glove award, and it would be lovely if Liverpool could keep another clean sheet. And Brighton, are not a bad side, they're a good footballing team. I remember when we played them at Anfield earlier on in the season, and Liverpool went two 0 up early, but then they came more into the game. And to be fair to them, they do play decent football, and there were signs there that they looked like they could have scored before the end of the first half. And then in the second half, they had to go go with us. And I know they scored a goal, which was quite fortuitous, really, because Adrian ended up coming on for Alisson, who'd been sent off. And as he was lying on his wall up from a free kick, Martin Atkinson let them take a quick, cheap free kick. And Lewis Dunk scored, which, in my opinion, I think it should have been disallowed. But... We were hanging on at the end. They very nearly got an equaliser late on. Liverpool down to 10 men. So there's certainly no mugs. They've had a, a bit of a disappointing season, I suppose, since the turn of the year. Um, but they were showing little signs since the lockdown that they're not, they're not a bad team. I know they got a hiding by Manchester United the other week, didn't they? So people might be looking at that thinking if United are beating them 3-0, Liverpool should go there and do similar. But I'm not so sure we will because, as I say, the intensity levels for United going for a top four place are far bigger than what Liverpool's are when we've already won the title. So... It's a tough game to really analyse and predict, but I think Liverpool will obviously want to keep another clean sheet because we've kept three, haven't we, since we've returned, apart from that 
you know, calamity at the Etihad when we conceded four in one game, but we've kept three clean sheets otherwise, haven't we? Against Everton, Crystal Palace, and Brighton. Eh, sorry, Everton, Crystal Palace, and um, Aston Villa at the weekend. So we want to make that four and five against Brighton, and I think we might just do it. So I'm going to be positive and say Liverpool will get the three points, but I can't see it being a fantastic game. It may very well be similar to the Aston Villa performance, really, the Aston Villa game. So I'll go for a scoreline of Brighton nil, Liverpool one. Okay, Jay, you're going for a a one nil scoreline for Liverpool in this fixture. Yeah, just my own thoughts ahead of the game. Obviously, Brighton, they're, uh, they're a few places above the relegation zone at the moment on, on 36 points. So, they've got quite a, a, a big cushion over Aston Villa, who were uh, in the third relegation spot on, on 27. So, um, they seem as, as though they are pretty much safe at the moment, although obviously it's not mathematically possible. They only need a few more few more points to, to make themselves safe, in my opinion. So, I just think this is a game where... Where the the class of Liverpool should show, obviously Brighton are, are down in that that position in the league for a reason, and Liverpool can go down there obviously with no pressure whatsoever, um, try and play some good football, and um, take the game to Brighton if you like. So I just think in this game, it I think it'll be a comfortable win for Liverpool. To be honest, I think Liverpool will probably ride this one out with a with a three 0 victory. Like I said. I just think pressure's off and um, I think they'll put a show on tomorrow night for, for the fans at home. So, just before we go, just got to say thanks to the lads at the LFC, LFC Data sorry, for putting out all our podcasts on their, their platforms. Phil, Gavin, everybody over there. Also, don't forget to keep up to date with the No More Knives campaign with Paul Bentley, Lee Butler, everybody Evolve with them, doing lots of uh, great work. And like we say every week, keep up to date with that and the hashtag No More Knives. There's lots of things going on there where you, where you can give them your support. So thanks very much, everybody, for listening. And um, thanks for joining me again tonight, Jay. No problem, mate. You know, just look forward to another game of footy, really, isn't it? So hopefully another yeah. three points for the Redman. Spot on, yeah. Um, not sure you want next fixture is to be honest after this one uh, who, who do we play the next one after this is Burnley on Saturday is it Burnley that, that quick turnaround again yeah, yeah, yeah so Saturday. yeah we'll uh, yeah we'll, we'll possibly try and arrange something to get a, a podcast out if not we'll be uh, we'll be back again very soon so thanks everybody for listening and uh, speak to you all very soon goodbye some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside and some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package, but that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated, and right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Ese último McNugget me toca a mí porque soy la mayor. ¿Y eso qué tiene que ver? Los mayores se respetan. Eso no existe, ¿cierto, mamá? Ya, quédense tranquilas. Aquí hay otra cajita de McNuggets. Respeto, ¿viste? El no hay rivalidad cuando hay McNuggets deal. Hay un deal para cada salida familiar en McDonald's. Compra uno de tus favoritos, como unos McNuggets de 10 piezas, una Big Mac, una Quarter Pounder with Cheese o un filet fish y te llevas otro por un dólar. Por tiempo limitado, precios y participación pueden variar. Válido para un producto de igual o menor valor. Sports Social Podcast Network.